Jesus. Hello. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Clint. We are going to dig in the archives for the intro today. I found this unreleased track that I never attached to a track on my phone. And I forgot I ever, uh, I forgot I ever wrote this. Um, I feel like it's something that a lot of people can, you know, relate to. This was written at the beginning of last year at some point, so this is almost two years old. This one's called, Should I Save That Message? I was gonna break them down and take them boxes out to the dumpster. I went to her house to box her out, so there's no rebound dude. Then make her have a mental breakdown. Then dump her. Please don't diss me anymore. I'm still working on my closure. Just read the fine print. Read my lips when I speak. Then maybe we can have some disclosure. The cause for my savageness at this point is really irrelevant. Not until we speak about the elephant in the room. It's really just irrelevant. Pause. Let me run that back. I said, not until we speak about the elephant in the room. It's really just irrelevant. And he's got a nose for the hose. Man, that blows. How it goes? Let me know. I got a trunk. So when I blow, you know, Clint's popping his top. Might as well just get in the trunk. Because you're being kidnapped. Luckily, your kid's being babysat. So while you're being abducted, you can watch your kid nap. Oh, I think I'm going to jail after the FBI hears this. Zombieland, let me double tap them cheeks. <laughs> Give me some dap. I speak sap like a television option because that so happens to be the language you speak. Fetty Wap, no left eye, but I love chicken tenders. TLC Lopez, let me burn down your house. Waterfalls will leak. I'm seeing ghosts late at night from the spirit I provoked. Late night chats from girls at 3 a.m. on the app when it loads. Snap pics of lip biting saying my boyfriend won't ever know. And I'm like, yes, you're right. I'm coming over. And no, I wasn't sober. Her sexy voice has so much range when she talks. My serotonin starts to rover. So 14 minutes later, I pull up to her complex. One minute later, I realize that would be a mistake. But the reasoning is just too complex. To put it simply, she saved the message on the app. And her boyfriend saw only because she saved it and he noticed I rapped. So out of jealousy and envy, I knocked on the door. Next thing you know, my head's on the floor without the rest of my body. I guess you can say they're going to call off their shotgun wedding. Get it? Because he killed me with it shotgun so the afterlife here i am can it really be an afterlife though if it's still a life damn
After all, I fell at the doorsteps of my sins of lust, for whom the bell tolls. I found out today there's 66 books in the Bible, and not a single one today still holds. Moral of this story today is if you have Snapchat, don't accept all offers for sexual advances because you just might get shot in the face. Oh, and don't save every message. And that one is called, Should I Save That Message? I think the conclusion of the story is, probably not. Welcome to episode 34 of the Off and Beat Podcast. I am your host, Clint. I am recording this on a Thursday, 2.14 a.m., which means I really started recording this at like 2.10. Yeah, I was just kind of digging through my phone. I love like kind of finding things, old things I've written and never actually put out in the public. But you know what? I'm in a, as uh, the kids would say, I'm in album mode, except not really an album. But you know what? Maybe I will put out music, like real music one day where it's actually produced and my voice is bearable because of distortion you can do on an audio app. But you know what? Today's sponsor is C4 Orange Slice because... uh. Sunsets like a tangerine, let's find a road we've never seen. I'm going to try not to sing too much since I feel like I literally did that for 80% of the last pod since I did do an impromptu musical that no one asked for, nor do I even know if people care. Probably not, but you know what? I'm in love with who I am. Uh, Drake's just waiting for me to finish that, but I'm not going to do it, I promise myself. I'm actually going to talk about something today. Do I know what that is exactly? Not sure. I do find it. Speaking of that uh, display of unreleased greatness. Or I wouldn't even say greatness. Unreleased message, ironically. That uh, maybe the world needs. Should you save that Snapchat message? Snapchat has probably gotten you in more trouble than it's helped. Snapchat, I've actually um recently with my Snapchat and Instagram, I've done it through periods of time before for like weeks and like a month at one point where I just, I didn't delete my account, but I uninstalled the app. And I realized how much better my life is without it because you're just, for one, it's just not there for you to use. And if anyone actually needs to reach you, if they're anyone of importance, they probably should have your phone number. So if anyone really wants to reach you, they'll have your phone number. But I've actually just uninstalled the apps for a period of time. I, I'll typically do every couple months, like uninstall it for a week, just so it's not there for me to use. And I think more people, I would recommend, there's definitely a drastic change in like how you... How you even use your phone like when you're sitting there bored like it's just a routine to hit that purple square with the lines the ig and you just click on it and you know i'll just go in for a few seconds the next thing you know it's three hours and you just get distracted you fall down rabbit holes and i truly do believe that i i really think these apps really do like make people depressed and they do make people people's days worse 
I don't know anyone, when you think about it, think about like any time you've been on Instagram, Facebook, even Snapchat to a degree, even though that's a different kind of app, but YouTube, I would say is probably more of a positive channel just for the fact that if you want to sit there and listen to someone bitch and debate for 18 minutes that goes against your political beliefs, like that's a decision you made where Instagram's more of a feed where you could come across some unintentionally. And you hear something, you're like, what the fuck? But I do believe these apps where, like, probably even TikToks, where it's just a bunch of people giving out um, ignorant information or they're just posting videos of shit that will, you know, things that may trigger something in you, things that, like, if you're someone that doesn't like seeing, um, if when you see a fight and someone get their ass beat, it puts you in a down mood. But then you go through your Instagram feed and you just watch four videos of street fights and some dudes getting knocked out and their head busts open the sidewalk. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable for a little while unless you're just that desensitized to it, which I think we all are to an extent. Um, I really do recommend, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I do recommend that you f- like find ways to truly make concerted efforts to just take a week break. From these apps. Social media. Social media can have a lot of good purposes. You can learn things on there. You know. It can. You know. Have a good purpose. See what your friends are up to. And all that. You know. There's nothing wrong with it. But I would say. Even if you have no issues with it. With being on it all the time. Even if you have a good gauge. Of not getting too lost in it. Like you have good. Self control. To not be on it. For more than X amount of hours a day. Or whatever. Like. I would just recommend just to, you know, uninstall it for like three days. Just for three days, do not go on it. It'll probably be a little, you'll feel a little unusual. I would say my experience, like the first like day, you just kind of like, it's not really that you have this desire to go on it. It's like, it's almost like a routine. It's like if you go to the gym every day, it's a routine more than anything. You don't always necessarily want or not want to do it, but it's just a routine like, oh, uh, I drive to this location, I work out, then I go to work or whatever your routine is. Well, you go to the bank every morning, you go do this, you go to the grocery store, you go pick up breakfast and then you go eat like it's a routine. Like if you notice, like most of the things you do in a day are more out of routine than they are out of spontaneity or they are actually out of desire. At least that's my experience. Even without the apps, I've noticed that about myself. Like, like I drink um, I drink Dunkin' Donuts like every day. I really need to cut back on it. But man, when you get it free, man, take advantage of that shit. But at the same time, you know what's not free? The cost of diabetes treatment, which I feel like I'm on the track of. Honestly, not seriously, but you know what I mean. It definitely um, but. You notice, like, I notice that I don't have a desire for coffee or addiction. My body doesn't even react differently if I have coffee or don't have coffee. It's like, I'm just so used to drinking it around middle of the day, 3 or 4 o'clock before I go to work. It's just like a comforting routine. Something about it, something about it just gets my... 
Like, it just makes me feel normal. When I don't, I just feel a little off. I don't know what it is. I don't have jitters. I don't shake if I don't have. It's nothing like that. It's just I have grains such a routine that it's not necessarily the worst thing you could do in the day, but there's probably better things you could be doing. I drink a lot of water during the day, so it's not that big of a deal. I don't get dehydrated, nothing like that. But the Instagrams and Snapchats, of course, you know, if you have a good gauge, it's fine. It, this isn't no social dilemma documentary reminding you of something you already prior knew before then, but then you actually see how the sausage is made and you realize, damn, uh, that's a lot of weenies. And it's, um, I would just, uh, I would just say get away from it just for a little bit just to see, just like as a reminder that there was a life before this. And I think that's something like I was, I've been so used to having the Instagram, Snapchats, even YouTube. Like YouTube would be so much harder for me to not. That's basically like I don't really watch cable because I don't really have cable because why would I pay for cable when I have YouTube? Like I could literally type in whatever I fucking want. I can stream games on another legal streaming thing if I want to watch sports. So, to me, and besides, you don't need anything but YouTube. That's what I'm on. Ha ha. That's a joke. That's a joke. But, I do think it's important to just, you know, distance yourself from things that you do on a regular basis. Like, anything. Take Instagram, take Snap, forget all that. Anything that you do that you don't know if it's a good or bad benefit to you on a regular basis is that in between where it's like, I don't know, I don't think this negatively affects me, but I don't, I've been doing this thing for three years in a row, and what would it be like if I didn't do it for a month? And it could be the smallest thing of, um, for example, brushing your teeth, right? You will always brush your teeth with your dominant hand. I always brush my teeth with my right hand because when I do it with my left hand, it's not, I'm not ambidextrous. I don't have equal movements in my joints to, you know, glide in and out. And, uh, I'm, look, man, certain things you don't want to, you know, try your weak hand on. You're trying to be efficient. You're trying to make sure you got good gums, no cavities. No dental trips because you don't have uh, dental insurance. Should probably do, but it's kind of just weird. Good teeth. It's about smile, smile. Just floss. You'll be fine. That's me trying to do the terrible floss dance. Um, but it's not one of those things where it's like, you know what? I'm going to try my left hand. It's like, all right. But if you do that for a month, you might miss some spots. You miss some spots. Uh, you can build up a lot of bacteria, gingivitis. You know, there's certain things you don't play around. Yeah. You do with what works. And you keep doing with what works. Because it is imperative that you make sure you do what works. You want to try your left hand when you masturbate by all means. No one gets hurt. You try to brush your teeth with your left hand. You miss a couple spots over time. Plaque. Over time, you, you constantly don't get all the way back here. Next thing you know, 
oh, what's this on the side of my mouth? Ah, this hurts like a motherfucker. He tried to chew. Oh, man. He goes, like, yeah, we got to pull those three molars in the back. You actually need your wisdom teeth. Actually, um, you can't go to work for three weeks of this and that. And then guess what? You're fucked. So, you know what? I'll be a righty for life when I'm brushing my teeth. And that's fine. But for other things, like, let's say, um, trying to think of a good comparison. All right, let's say you're used to eating, um, let's say you're used to eating eggs every single morning, right? Nothing wrong with that. Eggs are fairly good for you as long as you are cooking them right and, you know, watch the cholesterol, mix it up, egg whites and shit. Like, you know, it, sometimes they could be, um, well, you know, you don't want to get pegged, <laughs> But there's nothing wrong with getting egged in the face. Eat seven, eight eggs a day. It's fine. But, you know, your body getting used to the same thing every day. It could be good and bad. Because sometimes, like, your body needs you to change up your diet. And I, I believe I read a study where your body actually needs you to... Make sure you change up what you eat at certain times of the day every day. Like, you can eat at the same times, but make sure you're not eating the same course. Like, you don't want to be eating chicken, broccoli, and rice every day for lunch and dinner. Because when you're eating the same thing, you cook the exact same way, same brand, let's say everything's the same. Chicken, broccoli, and rice. The protein breakdowns and the synthesis, um, over time, you're not going to get the same nutritional value each time you eat it that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to also be bad for you we're talking about margins that are very minimalized marginalized like it's not going to be the difference between 40 grams of protein a serving and 12 now it's probably like 40 to 34 and then like 30 on the low end but there's definitely a variance of difference if you're eating it every single day when you eat or drink some every single day the impact of that specific food, the benefits it brings, is actually less and less. Like, you got, you can eat or drink something completely different that has the same nutritional value, and you still get that same nutritional value. But consuming the same thing every day, your body does need breaks from that specific thing. Because your body will literally become like a chicken, broccoli, or rice, for lack of a better word. It becomes too, it becomes, um, it becomes too, um, resistant to the change it brings. Now nah, that's not the word. That's not the phrase. I'm a fucking idiot. It, it becomes too, um, what's the fucking, God damn it, Clint. Oh, Clint, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, I really should probably just have a dietitian on. By the way, it's still better to eat chicken, broccoli, rice every day than it is to eat McDonald's every day or to have McDonald's five times a week and eat chicken, broccoli, rice two times a week. No, look, you're still better off. But it's your body needs things to change up. It's like when you work out, you need to change how you do cardio. You need to change longer. Like you need to do, sometimes you need to change it up and do long. Uh, you need to do long distance runs. Sometimes you just need to do short, intense sprints. Sometimes you need to do high reps. Sometimes you need to do high weight and low reps and vice versa. Sometimes you need to do hit cardio. Sometimes you need to do 
uh, more pliability training for a period of time. Like your body needs that constant change. So it has constant change in its growth. Because if you just do the same workout, almost every workout you do, you know, you're going to get stronger in very specific areas, but you're not going to be well-rounded type of athlete or just a well-rounded body and health. Like you're going to be susceptible in one area. Like, cause you can't squats. Like for example, if you do squats, obviously you're working a lot of things, mainly your core more than anything. You're working your glutes, your uh, hamstring stability. It's not really hamstring growth. You, your hamstrings are just building more resistance to be able to resist uh, falling to the floor and your feet become stronger because your feet are holding your weight up and everything is about your core balance and everything. That's what just your basic uh, barbell on the back squats does. Then you do front squats. It's a little bit different how you go down all that shit. That's not what I'm trying to get at today. I'm not trying to give you a workout, but you got to change up your um, routine, the things you eat. Because if you just keep doing the same thing, you're going to just kind of, one, you're going to get kind of fall, you're just going to fall into it. And it's going to become more of a habit than a choice of what you're doing. And ironically, by having a consistent approach, you're becoming too um, reliant on comfort. And when you're trying to grow your body or you're trying to grow in your routine, you're trying to make discomfort in the form of a routine. That's a, damn, that's a line. You're trying to make discomfort by have a routine of consistent effort in discomfort. Um, so going back to social media, when you're constantly on your phone on a lot of these things, do you assess like, do you go on it because you're looking for some type of enjoyment? You ever like, eh, you're having an okay day. You go on Instagram for 30 minutes and then you're just great the rest of the day. Let me tell you, 99% of the time that doesn't happen. More than more times than not, you're probably going to be like, damn, that was, was kind of depressing. Damn, um, I wasn't expecting to learn about the uh, North Korea defect who, uh, the Joe Rogan interview, if you guys get a chance to watch it, um, what's her, it was, honestly, that Joe Rogan interview with, um, the North Korean, uh, I don't know if they're called refugees or, uh, let me pull it up, make sure I do her justice, because it's a powerful story. I'll tell you one of the craziest things I picked up from it, right? And this is a small, is an absolutely obsolete fact compared to anything else she was actually talking about, but... How they do their aging says a lot. They want you to grow faster, faster. Where here we try to baby and nurture people to mold them to not have to be an adult until they're ready. Like where in North Korea, the day you were born, you are one years old. And then when the next calendar year of January 1st starts, you are two years old. You could be born on December 12th of... Let's say 2020, let's say you, let's say a baby is born December 12th of 2021. That she, that baby will be one years old, not one day years, not one month. She will be one years old the second they cut the umbilical cord out of their mom. 
Then January 1st, literally three weeks later, two years old. And then the cycle starts from there. Like, they don't, they don't go by, you know, what we go by. But her name is Ye- Yeonmi Park. The description for the episode, Ye- Yeonmi Park is a North Korean human rights activist. The author of In Order to Live in North Korean Girl's Journey to Freedom. And as I'm seeing a picture of her, um, she she escaped to the right place because god damn, she is she is fucking beautiful. Who I need to put down my phone. See, see what these phones can do to you. You just look at you just look at these ladies and you're like, oh god. Nah, just 15 more minutes. But no, seriously. Um which if you listen to that interview. All the shit you complain about, um, you start feeling like, wow, I really have nothing to complain about. Like, for example, I think Joe Rogan even said it in the interview. He's like, all the shit she was describing, escaping, going through these deserts, getting dropped off in the middle of the desert, seeing her mom get raped. And in North Korea, they don't even learn about anything outside of North Korea and they're taught North Korea is the sacred place you don't need to know anything about the rest of the world because they don't know what the hell they're doing and I think Joe Rogan said but like a lot of people's worst day of their lives is a bad breakup and if that's the worst thing that ever happens to you you're living a great fucking life if just a breakup is the worst thing that's emotionally fucked you up. This is a girl who's seen her mom get raped, escaped, swam through a frozen fucking uh, ocean river to get across, and then coming to this country on her own at 13 or 14 or 15. Gets in the university at the age of 17 while she's supporting herself. Gets into Columbia University at that. And we have kids that are being nurtured from freaking two years old to be nurtured to go to these Ivy League schools. And most of them can't even, you know, aren't even ready at that age. Nor should you be. But... Her, you notice like the thing she's interested in, the fascination of education. She says she learned how to speak, um, she learned the best of how to speak English just by listening to podcasts. Like, she would listen to NPR podcasts. It's a really, and I'm not gonna lie, like, I saw a clip on YouTube the day, because every day, like, when a Joe Rogan episode comes out on YouTube, they don't post four episodes, but they'll post a couple clips. And if I don't know, I'll listen to the clips and see, ah, do I want to listen to this episode? Now, I was listening, and, you know, in the YouTube clip, and it was talking about, like, North Korea. She was talking about, like, the effects of living in North Korea, what it's really like living there. And, you know, I was listening, and I'm like, honestly, I, w- I would want to listen more to a full episode, but she's, I-, I didn't know if I could understand, because... Even though she speaks pretty good English, like, you know, it would be kind of hard to understand. But when you start listening 
through a whole episode, you start to actually listen. You just listen better. I was just being ignorant and not really listening closely. I was like, you know what? Let me give this episode a shot. And like the first 10 minutes, I was captured in. I'm like, holy shit. This is probably going to be one of the most. Joe Rogan has the ability. God, it sounds like I'm sucking Joe Rogan's cock right now. But you know what? Some people deserve for their dick to be virtually sucked. Just give him praise where it's due. As a fellow podcaster, nowhere near his level, or never will be. Probably not. But you know what? If I can make one one-hundredth of what he made on his Spotify deal, I call it a win. That would be one million dollars. If I can make one million doing this, that's fucking insane. But anyways, going back to the episode. It, it's probably one of the most... It's not a funny episode, which most Joe Rogan episodes are, even when they're not with comedians and stuff. They still turn out to be funny because Joe will put his spin on stuff and he'll say some shit's funny. And But, like, she started cracking some jokes in there and it was a little funny. But, like, you could tell, like, his focus. Like, he had so much respect for what she has able to escape and be able to accomplish and her story you could tell like this shit is you could tell like he's been he was so locked in to the interview you could tell he did probably more prep than usual and you could tell he probably had to listen on a closer precise level than ever when with his typical guests because there could be a potential accent barrier you know if you're not listening closely and I I think maybe one time he has to repeat some because he didn't understand what she said. But overall, she was very, it was very easy to understand. And when when you watch something like that, it makes you realize like, damn, we really don't have any problems here. Like in comparison to North Korea, we obviously have issues like any country. But like it puts in perspective. Of like how much like non issues there really is compared to some she went to, she went through, and ninety percent of our issues are self inflicted. While there in North Korea, if you were born, if you were born in poverty or born in lower class, there's no way for you to get out of that. And if you are in a higher class and you marry someone in lower class, you automatically become lower class. It's not like here where we have, you know, we all, oh, woman can have nothing to their name, but then they marry a rich guy and all of a sudden they're in the higher echelon of money. And you could say that's bad and it's not good, but it's not good for people that have money that didn't actually maybe have earned it per se. But could you imagine if you were like a millionaire or not a millionaire? Let's just say you're a dude that makes like a hundred thousand a year and you met the love of your life, but she's in the poverty class per se. But she may not want you for your money in a perfect world, she just loves you for you. But you want to be able to give her life and give her a better opportunity, and you genuinely love her. But if you marry her. You are considered lower class. And you don't get to have the benefits of being a higher class. 
because if you marry someone in a lower income range, from what I picked up, you can't qualify for houses that you would get if you were just with a woman of value. Like, because they go by the, North Korea basically goes by the arrange and pre-arrange and um, type of marriages. Typically, that's applied to religion and stuff. Typically, higher, typically high educational countries and high educational areas are typically the ones that do arranged marriages because they understand the importance of education and they understand the importance of marriage and family and all that stuff. Where they make those choices for their kids because they don't believe their kids know what they need. They don't know, they don't think about the bigger picture, which, you know, I'm not saying we should do arranged marriages here, but there's probably a lot of people that would be better situations if they didn't choose their partner. As I know that sounds dumb. I'm not saying I believe in that, but what I'm saying is a lot of people are really bad at making choices. And their view is, People don't make good choices for themselves. You need an outside view to make choices for you. Now, I wouldn't want people making choices for me because if that was the case, I would have killed myself by now. That's a joke. It's just saying that like they would probably pick a job for me I didn't want or force you to work 60 hours a week in a fucking job that pays you under what you feel you're worth. You know, shit like that. But... It's got a 401k. It's like, alright. Um, but typically, if you were high income and you marry someone lower income here, you're still high income. And that person by default becomes higher. So it's a it's a um bring you up type of mentality. In North Korea, they're trying to suppress the classes. They're trying to make sure there's no mixing in classes. It's like, you want to marry someone down there? Then fine. You go down there with them. Not, oh, let's elevate people to a better life and shit like that. Like, no. The government and the way their structure is in North Korea, they basically know from birth what you're going to become. They make that decision for you. They decide whether you're worthy of a university at three years old. They decide whether... You're going to be, um, you know, the male, like a bus boy or whatever. Like they, they make those choices. They only give you the choice to better your life. And what she was alluding to in there is basically like, you're not really in North Korea. You're not really living. You're really just, you're just basically going through the motions of what's already been decided. But the thing is, is that the people there don't know that you have to get out of it for you to realize that you are being you are being trained that way because they really think if you ask someone who lives in North Korea because they can't speak out against their government they'll get killed they'll get beheaded they'll get stoned like the stone ages and it's very eye-opening that even in today's world a country that we do trades in that we are allied we are we have been um foes of them at times but we've also worked with them at times so even though we're strongly against a lot of their shit somehow we end up working with them like it's just it's an eye-opener like you like obviously you know north korea is like 
compared to America, they're not a great country overall in terms of how they treat their people. We have a whole lot better off. I think anyone would agree with that. She did mention an interesting line in it, and I actually wrote it down. Not because I planned on talking about it, because I found it interesting. I wanted to write it down before I forget. And for some reason, she said, "If if you think you're being oppressed, you're not being oppressed. Because the true definition of being oppressed is not knowing you're being oppressed. So what she's what she's basically saying is if you have if you are not being brainwashed cuz in North Korea they're brainwashed they don't believe they believe this is the way of life like they believe like every all the decisions making being made for them is for their best is for the best in their favor and that's just obviously not the case it's mind control to the highest extent because they do it from birth it's hard to brainwash someone when they're 20 years old and they've lived life up to 20 in freedom. And you can't brainwash them because they already know what the possibilities are. That's why in North Korea, they don't want you to be... She didn't even know what it meant to... She didn't even know... Um, she didn't even know what it was like to see a white person or a black person or a uh, Mexican. Like She generally was like... She comes to America and she sees like white white people and black people like having differences and she's like to me when I came over they're all weird to me because I've never seen or been taught about any of them any of their cultures any of anything and that shit was like whoa like they weren't even taught um like she she referenced a story about of coming to she like when she came to America and she had the she opened a banking she opened a banking account she didn't know nothing about a banking account she had to basically when she came to America or she, when she went to South Korea she actually had to be um she actually took a 3 month class where basically debunking everything you're taught in North Korea and you were actually taught about the world and stuff. And so in South Korea, she was able to like um, get a banking account, get something going, right? And she had to be taught how to use, the first time she used a vending machine, she was confused. Someone told her how to use the vending machine. She used the vending machine and of course the thing comes out like whatever she got like chips or drink whatever came out and she thought she thought for the longest time the vending machines there's literally a person in the vending machine handing you your shit in there which obviously it's not it's automated whatever you know I don't need to explain that but sometimes you may have to explain that and it was like like that's how disattached from reality and common sense because of the brainwash that happens in North Korea and when she said the thing about because if you ask a North Korean who lives there and has never been anywhere else they don't believe most of them truly believe like oh this is just the way of life like this is the way it's supposed to be this is what we've been taught Uh, our leader knows what we need Whatever he says is righteous. Here, 
We always believe whatever the leaders say is bullshit. There, there's no questioning. Because if you question, you die. And most of them truly just believe it because that's what they're taught. Here, when you learn about government in school, you are basically taught to always question the motives. Because there's a long history of why you should question your leader's motives. And history repeating itself. And you see things and what's happening. And it looks like a repeat of something that happened during the Great Depression. It's like, hmm, this stock stuff is very similar. And it's like, no. It's like, there's references in our history. And now, you will never find anyone, regardless who's in office. Regardless who's leading your state and government. Regardless who's in the Senate House of Representatives. It's hard to find anyone that believes anything that anyone says in there. It is hard because, for better or worse, we have the right to see it for what it is and dispute it. And sometimes, and for most times, that's actually good because that means you don't have an overrule of government just conv- convincing you of complete bullshit. Of course, people will always buy bullshit. But there's always going to be such opposition. So as much as we complain about Republicans and Democrats, at least there is a two-party system. At least there is a contrary to the other. Because without it, you have North Korea, where there's no dispute. There's no, hmm, Republicans have a lot of good things here, Democrats here. And in a perfect world, you pick the best qualities out of both sides and make the perfect America. But that's not realistic. But damn, regardless if you pick one side or the other, it's a million times better than what's happened in North Korea. Regardless of whatever your beliefs are. Because that shit, listen to her, is like, holy shit. Like, you know North Korea is not a pleasant place for a citizen to actually have freedom. Like, you know, no one's like, man, it really sucks here in America. Of all the places in the world, you know where I'm going to be able to fulfill my desires, my thoughts, and my creativity? Meh, North Korea. No one's ever done that. You literally are better off going anywhere else in the world to accomplish that. But she said that when she comes to America and you have... Like, not even slavery. Like, there's actual evidence where that still, you know, takes place in some ways. But when she's talking, but she comes here and she notices that everyone, there's a reward when people, when she came here, it was almost like people wanted to be oppressed. Because when you are, when you feel like you're being attacked in a way, like she was talking about like, um, like she joked about pronouns and stuff. She didn't know what none of the pronouns and shit are. And she was talking about, um, like gay people, for example, how a lot of gay people feel like they're still being attacked in a way, how they're being, um, what's the phrasing? What's the phrasing I used before? Oh, um. Jesus Christ, Clint. Get your head in the game. Get, 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 get your head in the game. Um. Oh, like gay people, you know, for example, they feel oppressed. People that are transgender feel oppressed. Um, lower class people feel like they're being oppressed. Um, 
just anyone that feels like whatever about them is being oppressed. And she's sitting there like, well, if you were able to dispute your government and protest, if you were able to even notice when things are wrong, then you're not oppressed. Being oppressed is when you don't even have the choice to feel any type of way. Being oppressed is when you are you have been so brainwashed as a group of people that you don't even know what oppression looks like. Because the way it is in your country is just a way of life. You don't know what's morally wrong or right. Because whatever happens where you're at, that's all you care about. Because the way she plays the philosophy of North Korea and the way the mindset like is, you know, we joke about Chinese and Koreans always being skinny, always being short and stuff like that. But a good reason why Chinese and Koreans, specifically North Koreans, are very short is because they are malnutrition. They do not get fed at all. Literally every day is finding your own food. It's not this, they don't really have big Kroger's there or Whole Foods Market. Like, we literally have so much groceries here. We literally have built more grocery stores, different types of organic. Go here for this. You go to Sprouts, go here. You get organic here. You get processed here. And we literally have built so many grocery stores to have competition. So prices are as low as they possibly be. There's not really grocery stores there. Everything is local. Um, most people just have to illegally basically farm and illegally basically um, raise their own food, which is technically not illegal. But to survive there, you kind of have to. Cannibalism is a big thing. She made the, she showed she talked about this disgusting story about um, seeing rats. Eating the eyeballs of children. Because what happened is. The adults would die from starvation. And they would give all their food to the kids. And. Then when the parents died. The kids didn't know how to give food. So then the kids would die. And the rats would just eat their eyes out. Because it was a soft. It's disgusting. But. When when you mountain when you malnutrition your whole country, so they don't even get to think about the possibility of them being oppressed, or they don't even get they don't even have time to even think about whether they're being treated like a citizen should. They don't even have time to worry about their rights because they're just literally trying to survive. They're trying to survive what they're going to eat that day. Because we talk about income inequality here. Someone can be in poverty. And do the, and can become a middle class person in their lifetime. Like I mentioned before. North Korea, that's not a possibility. You are what you are at birth. They decide that. To keep everything separated. To remind you. Where you stand and don't even think that. Don't, don't even like try to strive for better. We, we've made that choice for you. Higher income. Higher income families. 
their kids will have all the opportunities in the world to go to university better themselves to get all the resources everyone else lower class forget about it they have purposes of each class to contribute to their country it's a structure it's really a dictatorship and here you know people can fluctuate their incomes like crazy you know you could quit tomorrow work on some independently and start making million dollars a year you could start a business out of scratch get a business loan start out of scratch start a business like there's so much opportunity here like and it sounds corny and cheesy but here you can literally do anything you really want to for different people like anything some people are just gonna have more obstacles it could be you know there are benefits to growing up and having a family that makes money you're yes you're always gonna have an advantage over someone that doesn't but you're saying there's a chance and unlike north korea here you have a chance the odds may be slightly against you and there may be some hoops you have to you have to jump over but you know if you want to get in the psychological thing when you jump over those hoops and accomplish you are going to be mentally stronger and wired to keep moving while the person that's never had to overcome a whole lot of adversity because all the opportunities they know will always be in hand even if they may not feel they deserve it and that's why typically you have people that work really hard and people that come from nothing and when they get money they still have the same mindset because what they had to do to get there they had overcome a someone who was already kind of there and they they're more maintaining which arguably is more stressful when you start from the bottom you have nothing to lose when you start at the top maintaining defending it's like defending an nba championship it's the hardest thing you can do defending a super bowl the hardest thing you can do if you went three and 13 for eight straight years there's no expectations Take all the risk in the world. It really can't get worse. And hearing her talk about, like, I'm out, like, it made me look at my life, like, shit that I've, in the past, I've let fuck me up and weigh me down and make me feel less of myself. And I'm like, you know, if that's the, and I like, a self reflection, like, if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, Clint, to this point in your life, like, Life's pretty good, like, and I think a lot of my struggles are pretty relatable. They're nothing over-the-top crazy. Everyone overcomes things in their lives. Some things are harder to come over than others. But then, listen, her story, she's swimming through a freezing river, and I can't even take a cold shower. Like, cold showers, I can't be in cold water for a minute. What if my life depended on it? Like, like that, man, I just feel like I would recommend anyone go see that interview. I think it's episode 1691 of the Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah, uh, Yami Park, if anyone wants to go check it out. Um, But yeah, I would just say like when, when she said the whole oppression thing, you know, I'm not even going to talk about like oppression and uh, I'm just going to say like. 
people that play a victim mindset in their life. You know, we could generalize this because we all know a lot of people that blame a lot of things outside of themselves for why they, um, why the world isn't ideal to them, why things are happening are not ideal to them. And when people, um, when people, shit, where was I going with this? Stay with me, stay with me. I'm forming this as I speak. Sorry, I'm not a Joe Rogan, not a Joe Rogan, you know, off the top pioneer in knowledge. I don't just have a factory of articles I've read just hanging up here. But if you really think about like, a lot of people's worst days are not that bad. Like when you really look at the worst the worst days of your life. Sure they hurt. Sure they're bad. And also I don't want to be one of those people like, oh. Like one of my pet peeves. I'm going to take a quick turn here. But then I'm going to do a whole U-turn back. I joke like I've joked about this with friends before. Like the person that's like. Someone like if someone close to you, they just lost their mom, right? And they're very young. They're like young mid twenties. Like, yeah, I don't care what age you are. It's hard to lose your mother. I would only assume, you know. And someone loses their mother, like, and it's fresh to them. And then there's always that one person who thinks they're doing this friend a favor. Thinks they're doing this person a favor. The you got to keep perspective guy. It's like, yeah, you know what? There's a time and place to keep perspective. When someone's mother just dies, it's not the time for you to think that you know what's bigger in the world because you got to understand this isn't just a hobby they picked up for three years and they find out they can never skateboard again. No, we're talking about the mother, the one who was there for them since gave them life day one, treat them with love and care every day. That's not something that you just got to keep perspective. But the dude's like, I know this is hard. Puts our arm around you. It's like, hey, man, I know it's hard right now. But just so you know, it will get better. It's like, oh, it will? Huh. Thanks, bud. Because you know what? That's what I need to hear. It will get better that my mom's not here on earth. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you were here to tell me it'll get better. And it's not even... you know, there, there'll be the, I lost my mother, but this dude is not even that dude. Like the worst thing that's ever happened to him in the last 10 years of his life is he's lost two dogs by natural causes. Okay. Like that's the worst thing he's dealt with when it comes to loss. Okay. But he always comes to his like, you know, he starts like telling you like he's God, like he knows what's going to get you through this. He's like, you know, you just got to you know, it's going to hurt for a little while, but you know what? You'll bounce back, you know. You'll be, you know, this will only make you stronger. It's like, oh, really? Huh. Oh, really? This will make me stronger. Because, see, whether you're telling the truth or not, stop making it about, like, you're going to give this great advice. So then when I do move past this, or not even me personally, but whoever you're saying moves past this, we're like, you know what? Thank God you told me that. Because if you never told me that, I would have never got past this. Then you get to pat yourself on the back like, look at me just waiting in the rafters, waiting for people's mothers to die so I can pep them up and then take credit. It's like a person that takes credit 
for your success after they break up with you four years prior when they won't be like, see, if I never broke up with you, you would have never accomplished what you did. It's like, really? Because um, I feel like I would have. And then you want to take credit. See, I, I deserve some of the credit because if I didn't do it, you would have never accomplished what you did. It's like, so are you saying that you were the problem? Hmm, interesting. Whatever. Let's go fuck myself. But back to the dude who always makes something someone's trouble in their life about them when it has nothing to do with you dude okay here i am talking a passionate thing about keeping perspective and then i say fuck you to the guy who tries to keep perspective on everything it's like it's like puts it's always a dude like feels like their words are the ones that are going to get through to you it's like <sighs> like they they really feel like they know everything because They've read a couple articles of how to deal with grief when they've never actually had to deal with real grief. So they'll just sit there and look at you and be like, look, man, um, I'm going to tell you, you need, you just need to get over it. You just need to get over it. You will be fine. It's like, oh, yeah, because, you know, no, no one's ever thought of just getting over it. All right. Yeah. Go fuck you. Um, but Yeah. But you turning it back around as a you turning the channel, not yet. Ha ha. Uh, still fit in a pun. But my, my thing is if you are going to. But it is important to keep perspective in life, though. I will say that, like. I know I just made extreme, like, the people who make those immediate losses in your life, and they always try to tell you, you got to keep perspective of the bigger picture. You will do this, like, all right. But when you are when you are complaining, or I wouldn't even say complaining, because there's certain things, there are things in your life that are beyond just work harder. Like, I do kind of believe in the motto, work harder, nobody cares, but, you know, there's certain things where there's more compassion needs to be involved. There's more context. There's more, like, you gotta, you can't just make everything just statements and think that applies. Because it doesn't apply, even when you think it applies. You gotta be very, very, you know, careful when um, you're just trying to give people basic advice the worst thing is giving advice that is not well thought out and you just connect a similar situation with one person and compare it to either one a situation of your own that has happened or a situation of someone else that's close to you or a situation you've seen with a person from afar like a celebrity that has nothing to do with you and you just compare this apple to this apple and that's not really how this works. Like, there's nothing worse when people just go online and just give Facebook advice. Just be like, uh, pain is temporary, but love is endless. It's like, I don't know, man. It's, uh, dealing with the microfialgia for my life is uh, not fun. It's pretty painful. But you know what? You just got to love it. It's like, do I? I don't love it. Um, you know, there's certain things that aren't just as simple as get over it. 
as work harder. Some things you could work as hard as possible on. Let's just say about yourself. You could work on as hard as possible. And you just may not it just may not be the right time in your life to have it click. So like a lot of things can be about timing. Like if you put a 15-year-old in the same situation as a 30-year-old and have the same thing happen to them, chances are the 30-year-old is going to act way more mature than the 15-year-old because timing is imperative to how you react to things. Age is very imperative with how you deal with things and the type of personality. And it can also work in the other direction. A 15-year-old can be much more mature and not let something take them down to the underworld and a 30-year-old may just because they may not have good social skills. They may not have good skills to deal with issues and adversity and pain in their life. So I, I do think like when you got to be careful when you just put out advice that you think is across the board. Because some I've learned and I've been guilty of the past is I see a situation, I make my own like assessment of it and I'm like ah you need to do this and it's like even though if I were in that situation I feel like I know what I would do but the reality is what may be best for that person for the time being that doesn't know what to do is exactly what they're doing even if you think they're hurting themselves in the long run but I do think when we talk about a victim mindset a lot um Keep in perspective that in order to, I, I got to make sure I word this right because I'm not, I know what it's going to sound like, but I know what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm talking about people who um, blame a lot of their life circumstances for things that aren't them for some reason. They think that a lot of the factors matter more than just what they can control and so instead of I was listening to Ari Shafir it was actually very enlightening I'm very surprised I don't really listen to stand up or nothing but I watched I listened to a video on YouTube I should say where he did like a three and a half seminar three and a half hour seminar at the comedy store giving advice to comedians who are asking him questions it was basically like an open forum and he was always direct he seemed engaged and everything and there was one part where what were the, what was it they were talking about? They were talking about um how the, there's always going to be those people like when they're like if you're getting jealous of people getting spots, right? Let's say you've been doing stand up for 7 or 8 years, but then some dude comes in 2 or 3 years, you see a stand up, it's nothing special, it's hacky, it's very it's not impressive, it's not great, but it appeals to a very broad specific audience he gets hired for a tv show gets his own sitcom he has so much money he's selling out shows even though his stand-up comedy itself is not really rememberable or that great and then you get jealous because you feel like you're not only better than this person you're doing the more pure way for example he said look instead of being mad at the fact that you feel you deserve a spot He's if he sucks so bad, then you need to study about what you are either lacking so much that you can't get 
what he's getting or maybe study what he did to get that TV spot, for example. And his whole mess was like, no one cares. If you're going to be, if you're always going to be bitching people that get the places faster you or are more accomplished at a faster pace than you, then you're just going to be that bitter old person that just sees people that are complaining about them getting things that you feel you deserve. And the reality is no one cares. He's like, he's like, he even used him for himself, for example. He's like, look, I had an advantage. My dad paid for my college. And so I didn't have to worry about student debt. And I went into comedy. Didn't have to worry about, um, he said after that, he didn't really like, parents didn't give him money or nothing. But like he didn't have to, he was able to save money working in college. And he was able to chase after his career. So he had a little bit of a head start than most people. And he's never really had the struggle. He's never had to work a bunch of shitty jobs. He didn't want to because his parents like, Put him in a good position from the start. And he's like, and guess what? Then there's going to be someone else in the same field that is going to have to take out student loans, who's going to have to work two jobs to get through college, who's going to work their ass off, work three jobs, do open mic nights, work 18 hours a day just to get possibly the same result as someone who gets to just do what they want during the day and work on some material when they want to and just do some open mic and just focus on comedy while this person's got to worry about bills, this, that, and the other. He's like, hey, but guess what? No one cares. And that's the thing. Basically, look, there's always going to be people that have advantages over you. But your biggest advantage is not looking at their advantage. Your biggest advantage is not looking at the fact that whatever your situation is, is a disadvantage. Because with that, you have no chance of doing whatever you're trying to do. You don't. Jesus, this is one of the longer pods I've done in a while. I, 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 it's, some, it's not really a funny episode, but I feel like it's probably one of the more meaningful ones. But um, yeah, I guess I'll leave it off with this for today's episode. Um, if you, whatever your situation is, and this, this, um, interview on Joe Rogan show with, uh, Parks, not, not Parks, uh, Yami Park, the North Korean lady, the defect, I think they call her whatever technical term. Um, the one that escaped North Korea and is able to live to tell about it. And the reason why sharing her story is brave is because of literally everything she says in there. It's basically kind of like a, it could be similar to an Edward Snowden situation where literally there's a lot of incentive for North Korea to want to kill her. So it is pretty brave. It's very similar to Edward Snowden having to lock himself in remote areas, make sure no one can track him. And he's doing an interview on Joe Rogan. And he has to protect his identity where he's at all costs, even though he's in Russia or wherever the hell. With her, it's probably very similar. She's speaking out about all this shit, bringing light to issues that people know North Korea is kind of. Eh. But to this extent, a lot of people don't understand the extent and the degree. And her going mainstream, going to all these podcasts, the biggest podcast in the world is talking about this. And it is, it is captivating, to say the least. 
and listen to the interview, I know what it makes me be like, damn, what do you like? Anytime, like, I even everyone's susceptible to complain about something, and I, like, I sit here and then complain about a bunch of nonsense, mainly for shit and giggles. I don't really think it's that serious on a lot of these things, but here, complain about this, and now listen to that interview, and I'm like. It makes you like reevaluate things you've thought and said, and you're just like, bro. Like, it makes you honestly like not cherish enough of the freedom you like when you're so used to having freedom and you never even have to question it. You act different. You 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 act like even the ones that aren't entitled. You can act entitled about your freedom. You can act entitled mm-hmm. in the fact that you don't even take advantage of your freedom. Like, if everyone had their true freedom, if we had to live like North Korea, if everyone had to be shipped to North Korea for three months and live like North Korean citizens, I really believe people would come back and have a much more appreciation of choices they make, and their lives would be completely different. They would not be afraid to go after things. They would not be afraid to actually do what they want to do. But you only know with what you have lived in, in this bubble we've lived in, ironically, no pun intended, the world... But this bubble that we've lived in in America, we've genuinely have, we have been very, very privileged to, as bad as, as a very patriarchy and as annoying the government can be, but just the fact that we can counteract and dispute our government, like, after hearing that interview, it made like, wow. It made me even appreciate more than I appreciated before, but listen to that, Wow. It really, like, I'm not going to listen to an interview. It motivated me more. Like, I was I was having a really tired day yesterday and all this shit. And, like, after listening to that interview during my shift at work, I came home and it just made me want to fucking, I was tired. But I'm like, I felt like I can't waste my freedom today after I just listened to what the fuck I just listened to. I can't waste my fucking freedom. I got to use some part of my freedom every day. I do. Like, that's something I've. Started to apply myself recently, even before the interview. But after that, I'm like, holy shit. But yeah, go check it out. Moral of the story is, um, stop bitching. This is probably the longest podcast I've ever done. It's actually quite impressive. Not gonna lie. All right, guys. That was episode 34 of the Off and Beat podcast. Um, subscribe and like the vid. Um, and, uh, you know, subscribe to the tube, follow the IG, even though I'm not really on it. The Snapchat, not really on it, but you know what, whatever. Um, oh, yeah, and uh, suck some titties. And uh, oh, yeah, remember to go fuck yourself, and I'll just go fuck myself. Um, there's nothing more awkward than when you ask a co-worker. I typically never ask co-workers how they are, how their day been. I don't even say, hey. It feels weird for me to say hey to people, someone I'm working on. So, you know what, today I was like, hey, hey, how are you today? But I think they were more surprised that I was asking them how the day was. So they just like, oh, typically don't do this. I said, hey, how's your day today? And they just said, fine. And I was waiting for them to ask me how my day was because I'm an entitled person with freedom. I feel like I deserve someone to ask me how my day was, even though it's the first time I've asked them how their day was in about like, the six months I've been working with them. So yeah. And they said fine. And I was just like. I just nodded my head. In my head I'm like alright. Let's go fuck myself. That's why I don't do this. Ugh.
All right, guys. Have a great day today. I don't know if I'm going to post this on Thursday or Friday. I don't know. I want to make a Friday exclusive pod, but, you know, whatever. We'll see. By the way, 34 downloads last night. Career high in one night. Career high. It's like, um, it's like when, um, Terrence Ross back with the, he did with the Raptors once and he did with the Magic. He had uh, like a 55 point game with the Raptors randomly. He's like a 15 point game to score max in his career. Like he's like, oh, he's a decent player next to 55. Holy shit. And then next game, like 12 points. And then with the Magic, he dropped like 41 night, like last year or some shit. It's like, where the fuck is this coming from? Yeah, that's what last night was with the downloads. And I'm almost at 300 all time. I'm at 299 all time. I'm sure after I post this, I'm going to surpass 300. And the views are going up. Not on YouTube, but on the audio and shit, Spotify and Apple. Things are going great. Just want to give you a little update on that for loyal listeners. I see the little little red dots on the map. I got a couple down the California coast. I got a couple in the... I got a hot spot in the UK. Shout out to who's ever watching and then listening in the UK. A couple in China. I don't know how you're um, able to get the feed, but congrats to you. Hope you don't get arrested or beheaded. Um, and also a couple. I have one hot spot in Dallas. Shout out. I have a hot spot in Wichita, Kansas. I don't know how to feel about that one. And then I have a couple scattered who have gradually listened, but it's not ready yet. But hey. Keep uh keep up the support guys. All right. Have a great day.